The infinite improbability drive is a wonderful new method of crossing interstellar distances in a few seconds, without all that tedious mucking about in hyperspace. As the improbability drive reaches infinite improbability, it passes through every conceivable point in every conceivable universe almost simultaneously. In other words, you're never sure where you'll end up or even what species you'll be when you get there. It's therefore important to dress accordingly. The infinite improbability drive was invented following research into finite improbability, which was often used to break the ice at parties by making all the molecules in the hostess's undergarments leap simultaneously one foot to the left in accordance with the theory of indeterminacy. Many respectable physicists said they weren't going to stand for that sort of thing, partly because it was a debasement of science, but mostly because they didn't get invited to those sort of parties. <coughs> So, Andre, I have a question for you. Tell me. How many roads must a man walk down? I think it's 42. That is the correct answer. That is both the question and answer to the ultimate question of what is the purpose of life, the universe, and everything. All it is is 42, and how many roads must a man walk down is the actual question you should be asking. And here we are today to talk about the great novel and film adaption of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which was created by Douglas Adams. But Michael, mm -hmm. I got it right, so do I want a car? Um, you win a Galactic Garble Blaster. Oh fuck, I always wanted to try one of those! Mm-hmm. So, uh, Shit, which I'm I said pretty that sure really loud. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Uh, which I'm pretty sure in the later books, it mentions that any human that has it, I think, automatically dies. <laughs> Perfect. I want it more. So, yeah. All right. So, you know, it, it, it's next week I am taking applications for a new co-host because mine will be dead from drinking a galactic garble blaster. And, um... Which, I mean, it is the greatest drink in all of uh, in the entire galaxy, so I guess it's a good way to go. Yep, I'm excited. All right. Mm -hmm. So, thoughts, Michael? About? The novel and the movie. Oh, well, seeing as this is one of my favorite books and favorite series of all time. No way, it, you it's don't. It's shit. I didn't it's know that. It's absolute shit. I, <laughs> I hate it. It's the worst. It should be in the garbage, in the trash. So it's it's the worst thing ever. I love the book. Uh, I first read it when I was in middle school. It was like right after, like, the first thing I ever knew about Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy was the movie. And so I saw it as a kid, loved the movie as a kid. Then read the book and I was like, "Holy fuck, the book's a million times better." Mm -hmm. But there's a there's a lot of history to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. So Douglas Adams, he was working for BBC, and he 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 actually was in a I think one or two skits with uh, um, the Monty Python. He was like he was in one one or two skits, and then things weren't working out for him. He was working with BBC Radio. And he decided he wanted to make a radio show based around the concept of the world ending. And originally it was going to be an anthology series about different ways the world can end. But then that changed real quickly and we got Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And it was, uh, the radio show was created in 1978. And then uh, he was asked to make an a book adaption, which came out the following year. Then in 1981, there was a TV series. In 1984, there was a video game. And then the film that we watched came out in 2005. So the interesting thing about Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is every time it's adapted, Douglas Adams purposely changes up a good bit of it. He always like he he's he believes Hitchhiker's Guide should always be changing and adding new things and and doing some stuff a little bit different. So if you were to listen to the original uh, radio series, you would get a certain form of it. If you when you read the book, you get a different form. TV series is also different and so forth. With each adaption, he's just constantly he he's constantly changing it. It was, I mean, it was, it's been adapted into stage shows and even comic books as well. 
it's a, this is uh, which is what makes this one interesting to talk about is because it's been adapted in so many different ways and is he purposely writes it to be changing and the 2005 one uh the film like for years they had been trying to make a movie and it wasn't working out like originally it was planned to have uh uh, I think Bill Murray as Ford Prefect back in the oh, 80s damn. when when they wanted to make the movie. And, that would have uh, been actually, cool too. Cause, yeah, they had Bill Murray and they had Dan Aykroyd. And when Dan Aykroyd came in, Dan Aykroyd was... Uh, he, he started proposing a completely different film that ended up being Ghostbusters. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so <laughs> that's how Ghostbusters was made. It was pretty much thanks to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah, um... It's Hitchhiker's Guy. It's it's just a wacky, weird science fiction film where and Douglas Adams has this weird way of writing and wit and really Definitely. dry humor. And every time I read it, I pick up on a different thing. Especially like as a kid, as a kid it was funny, but like as I've gotten older, like it just gets funnier, <laughs> and I love it. But uh, this was your first time. Andrea, how, how, how did you enjoy it? The writing... So I followed your advice and I got the Stephen Fry audible reading. And that was absolutely mm-hmm. incredible because goddamn that voice. And oh yeah, it's perfect for it. I loved listening to it. I definitely want to own the book in print form because I feel like especially a lot of the witticism I'd probably pick up and retain better. Like I, I learned better through script, but I mean, listening to it too was absolutely incredible. And I mean, it's so quotable, partly because his writing, I don't know, like, I know there are some that are really famous, but it was even when the earth was being destroyed. And the ending of that chapter is, there was a terrible ghastly silence. There was a terribly ghastly noise. There was a terribly ghastly silence. And like, goddamn. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, love his writing so much. Yeah, he can go from really funny to just like that sort of like hits you. My one of my favorite lines. Um, it was right before Earth's destroyed and the Vogon ships are there, and he's like, the ships were so massive they hung they hung in the sky, much like bricks don't. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember like, that. <laughs> it's so perfect for imagery because it's like they basically shouldn't be there seeing a brick just floating in the air is a is a great way of looking at it and also i think they did a good job with the vogon ships by making them literally looking like basically giant bricks yeah huge columns of metal very true and so that's why i like the movie and it is weird that it's taking me so long to watch it but I told you this earlier, the love angle was focused on a lot more in the film. Oh, yeah. Which was okay. But I do think some of the stronger points of the movie were them taking lines straight from the novel. Completely agree. So, with the movie adaption, honestly, like, to get a pure look at the movie, you kind of have to read the first three books, because... I know Douglas Adams wrote the script, and I'm not sure how much of the script they stuck to, that uh, of his script they stuck to, because he died before the movie came out. He died in 2001, and like they had a completely different director attached to it and different actors and stuff, and then they revived it and then shot it, and it came out in 2005. But it, it makes me wonder if... He wanted to add in the stuff from the extra films or or from the other books um, or they or the second script writer did that and I forget who the second script writer is but he's the same guy that I think did it an adaption for Scarlet's Web so hmm. I mean honestly if you're expecting there to be one movie some of the changes would make sense even if they were his contribution just to kind of wrap it all up I guess yeah, I I mean I get it. To me, like, and that that's where for me the movie falls apart. Like, after they get zapped out of a, 
I can't Mag Magrathia. Um, yeah. The first time when they get zapped out of the improbability drive, which I gotta say, the improbability drive is a fucking genius for story writing. Because since like <laughs> I mean, the the it's the story is very heavily plot driven, but he hides it by creating these weird devices, and uh, it just works out. But like when they, when they go away and then they chop off Zaphod's head and. Like, we get to see John Malkovich, which, hey, I'm cool seeing John Malkovich anytime. <laughs> um, but it's, uh, it, 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 it's like this, it's, it feels like they're trying to do too much, and it feels very, like, it almost feels, like, very rushed after that point. Like, it's sort of, like, in the, I guess it's sort of moving really fast in the very beginning, but then you get on, like, the Vogon ship, and it's kind of nice and slow for a moment. Um, yeah. And it's also slow, like when you've got the the heart of gold ship. So it's just sort of it just to me it just felt like they were trying to do too much, and it was like, oh, let's go to all these different places uh, that are in a couple of the other books. And unfortunately, they they never go to my favorite place in the entire series, which is the restaurant at the end of the universe. And uh, <laughs> may I say, um, the line Marvin has at the end of the the. The film makes no fucking sense for what the restaurant at the end of the universe actually means because it's not actually like at a point at the end of the universe. It's literally a restaurant as the universe is ending. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. So it's that uh, that that was something that I uh, I just this little line that I'm like, did you guys read the other books? Like, do 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 you know that? But uh, <laughs> that's me being a fucking Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy nerd. Yeah, I mean, how, how, do you, how do you feel about the film? How do you feel, like, as the actors portrayed the characters and things like that? I'm okay with all the portrayals. It's also a very good cast. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you have Alan Rickman <laughs> being the manically depressed robot. Excellent. Um, I also am the hugest fan of Bill Nagy. Um, mm-hmm. Anything he's in. Highly recommend the Underworld movies. <laughs> I don't care if they're not great. They're fun, damn it. But I liked it in general. I Some of the additions were really fine. Like uh, that device in the kitchen that makes you whatever you're craving. I'm pretty sure they added that in. But I was like, god damn, I want one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was added. Um, oh, wait, no, 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 no. I think... I think that actually pops up in one of the later books, but the oh. I was the the knife that toasts as you cut it. I'm pretty sure it was added. That was probably something that Douglas came up with, and he's like, "Oh, this would this is it seems like s- silly imagery." But yeah, it, that was that was all good. I I could tell it was going to be more romance focused because you have Arthur telling the story of the party at the beginning of the movie before the world's ending. Which I guess kind of mm-hmm. makes sense if you have regrets and you think the world's going to end. It's what you're thinking about. And, oh, God, I do love the shadowed irony of... All right, so Arthur's house is about to be bulldozed. And mm-hmm. the guy's being smarmy and telling him, well, the plans were at your local, I don't know, city planning building or whatever it's called. They've been there for a while. You could have gone to see them. And then when the Vogon show up to destroy the Earth, they're like... This this has been in the plan for five million years. You could have contested it, but you didn't. <laughs> oh yeah. So the Vogons were basically created because Douglas Adams hates bureaucracy and having to deal with a bunch of paperwork and and shit. So it's literally him just making fun of all these stupid things that humans do. But yeah, I mean, uh, especially in the book, it's sort of it 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 has that parallel a lot more because um it's like uh the narrator's saying like arthur's thinking of yellow and he doesn't know why yellow and then it turns out the yellow is because there's a yellow bulldozer outside of his place but then the vogon ships are also yellow because they're basically the bulldozers for earth he likes these parallels in his writing and I I appreciate when authors do stuff like that. Yep, me too. And I also loved when Martin Sheen's character shows up when they're trying to get... Oh my god, I'm forgetting her name. Ah! Trillian? 
Trillion, when they're trying to break her out and he says, I'm British, I know how to cue. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was fantastic. Um, but yeah, I mean, in general, it was a very entertaining movie. I Yeah, like I, but like we said, you know, I would love for people to experience the novel and that that writing at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like, like you mentioned, the cast is great. You have Martin Freeman as as Arthur Dent. You have Most Deaf um, as Ford Prefect. Mm-hmm. You have Zafford Beaverbox as... Um, how did I just play? Sam Rockwell. Trillian is played by Zoe Deschanel. You have freaking Stephen Fry being the voice of the guide. And... You have uh, you have Bill Burr as the whale, which is one of the greatest sequences ever made mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. in, in a book, in my opinion. Just the book and the the whale and the petunias, uh, it's <laughs> it's just brilliant. Which I will say, Andrea, you, uh, you you mentioned that you you want this book on your shelf. You might as well just go ahead and get all the books because uh, later on you actually learn why the petunia said, "Oh no, not again." Oh shit. Mhm. Okay. I just thought yeah, that was a joke so. about people always knock their potted plants over, which I was fine too, but that works. <laughs> I mean, I could have been the joke originally, but um he made it have a reason <laughs> later on. It's just uh Yeah, I will say I I uh like you know, you know, set design is great. Uh character designs Mostly great. The only thing I don't like is the fact that uh, Zafud Brevelbox has a head on top of a head. Yeah, that looked <laughs> um, weird. It doesn't work for me, and it just like sort of pops out as like, oh, surprise, and then, hey, I have a third hand here. And then it's maybe because I have read like the rest of the series, and you start getting a little bit more of different personalities for the heads of Zafod. Um, later on, as as Douglas Adams kind of figures out the character more, but uh, it, it, that I don't like. Um, but it's I also I guess at the same time, I guess maybe it would have cost too much to do, and maybe it would have been hard. Who knows? I will say an issue I have, as much as I don't mind the casting, Zoe Deschanel is always the quirky girl, and that didn't change for this. And also yeah. in the way it happens in the book. Arthur's supposed to come off as a little more lame, whereas in the movie they're actually having a good conversation. And then she's just like, let's go to Madagascar. And he's like, I I can't. Which is actually pretty reasonable to not jet off to Madagascar with someone you just met. And then that supposedly is how he blew it, which, I'm sorry, that's not blowing it in my opinion. They could have just gone and had coffee for fuck's sake. Yeah, I know, for real. They could have gone to Cornwall like he suggested. Yeah, what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I I I never felt like she was fully Trillian. And once again, because I've read the rest of the books, like she doesn't because Trillian becomes a pretty great character. And I mean, all the characters sort of grow in their different ways. But it's uh, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, I I mean, I'm I'm not the biggest Zoe Deschanel fan, <laughs> but this was also the first film I ever saw her in. So most people are like, oh, I first saw her in 500 Days of Summer. I'm like, no, nah, she was she was Trillian from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy for me. Although she is pretty great for 500 Days of Summer, especially for deconstructing oh, yeah, that, the manic pixie great, dream girl trope. But yeah, mm-hmm. um, that can be a different... Well, we can't really cover that. It's not a book. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Although I'd love to talk about that movie because I grew up with way too many women who were really mad at how she did the character and I'm like (sighs) for some reason society has this idea that if someone rejects someone else they're a bad person which I never understood like I've actually gotten flack myself oh we're not going to get into that anyway you don't have to be with anyone you don't want to be with everyone (laughs) don't let anyone make you feel bad about that you're not a bitch you have impetus anyway but I don't know. I I think she worked. I mean, again, she's always played a quirky girl, so it's not that different from other roles. But like, it definitely fit in a quirky universe. Um, like, honestly, the the closest I can compare this to is The Fifth Element. Of like, that's a good comparison. 
yeah, like, it's universal, but also it's so damn silly. And mm-hmm. I really enjoy that. Yeah, and also just, like, I, I find similarities in, like, the set design and character design, too. Like, I love the way the Vogons look in the film. They're yeah. just so disgusting looking. And <laughs> as he's reading off the Vogon poetry, which I want to mention that... Uh, so, because Vogon poetry is the third worst poetry in the in the universe <laughs> and he mentions he mentions one in between but the third the, the the worst in the entire world or the universe is uh some pat- named lady named patricia if i remember correctly uh from somewhere in the uk and that's actually a real person that douglas oh adams God. didn't like <laughs> he apparently like list had to it was like someone either he went to school with or um <laughs> someone in the area he like had heard her poetry like many times and just thought it was the worst thing ever <laughs> and literally threw it in <laughs> and in some that's ways amazing. i kind of feel bad for her because now everyone's gonna like if they know the series and and um or have seen the movie and they hear that name they're like oh you're that person <laughs> no nah, fuck it kids but, this is your lesson get rich get famous you can talk shit about whoever you want and you automatically won the argument so <laughs> there you go very true <laughs> very true <laughs> oh god but obviously there's that other line where i just have to share it because i knew this quote before i even read this and that's why i'm partly feeling like shit for taking so long to get to this party but Oh, there's the very famous line of, in the beginning, the universe was created. It made a lot of people angry and has been widely regarded as a bad move. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love, uh, there's a line somewhere after that where they're, they're like, where he, they mentioned that, uh, some humans were were thinking that coming down from the trees was a bad idea, and others were thinking that the, even the trees was 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 a bad point as well, and that they should never have left the oceans. Yeah. Oh God! And there's also this is specifically in the novel, but it's right after um, Arthur and Ford get rescued, and they're on the Heart of Gold, and everyone's you know had the awkward meeting, and they're talking about how. You know, they're going through each character about how most of them can't sleep and what they're worried about. But then they get to Arthur and they're like, Arthur was sleeping. He was very tired. <laughs> and that was really great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Douglas, he has this way of just building up to things and then just sort of circumventing the whole thing with just a stupid one-liner. And it works perfectly. Mm-hmm. I... I can't get enough of his stuff and i still need to read he he uh, he i mean there's five books in this series and there's a short story as well uh, all about zaphod and uh but he also he also wrote to another series um uh about dirk gently and it's about like a uh paranormal detective um and that actually got turned into a television series and if I remember correctly, I think Bo Burnham wrote for it. What? My boo? Let me make sure. Let me let me make sure 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 about this. It was my other him. boyfriend that doesn't know it. Oh nope, it wasn't Bo Burnham. I'm sorry. I, I we we have to cut that out. I was about um, to say he's really young. By Max. No, leave it. <laughs> okay. It was actually uh, Max Landis who created it. That's who it was. Yeah. Um, most famous for writing the movie chronicle and manipulating women what oh he like did some really shitty things with some some i guess that's what happens when your your dad he was a director i forget what movie he directed but max landis's dad uh didn't get a certain scene prepared and had and two people died on set and he never went to jail for it so um you know that's like in one family you have two big hollywood trends wrapped up which is a huge amounts of nepotism and also sexually exploiting your power so that's nice um yeah anyway (laughs) another massive revelation which i'm very mad about as a longtime radiohead fan the term paranoid android originates in hitchhiker's guide that it does what the fuck (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, this the, this series has, like, a huge amount of influence on many things. Like, like, like you mentioned, The Fifth Element, I'm pretty sure they took influence from Hitchhiker's Guide. And, I mean, I know The Fifth Element is supposed to be a... It's like a pseudo-adaption of Jodorowsky and Mobius's graphic novel, The Inkle, which is a great book. But um, I see also Hitchhiker's Guide being a huge influence just in sort of the way the story is told and just absolute ridiculousness. And you know, I don't know which one came out first, but the Vogons and the... uh Aliens who come after Lilu Dallas Multipass have very similar looks. Like, they have the big heads and the wrinkles and the massive noses. So I wonder if one was kind of creatively inspired by the other. The Fifth Element was 1995, if I remember correctly. So this is a decade later, oh, I and I could old. definitely see... <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that! <laughs> and I, <laughs> and I, I could see the Vogons um, for the movie being... Uh, being influenced by it. But now I actually want to... I'm going to look up real quick what the Vogons uh, looked like in the TV series. I They sort of... They were more greenish and slimy, but they were, you know, still... I definitely prefer the way the movie looks. But then again, this was a 1985 TV series, uh, British TV series, so... Oh, so you mentioned... There's some flack on bureaucracy. I also noticed there are a lot of kind of jabs at religion throughout the oh, writing. Oh, heavily. Um, heavily. Because Douglas Adams de- described himself as a radical atheist. Nice. Nice. But yeah, and like, there's that moment where they're talking about Hitchhiker's Guide being so popular, the best-selling book in the universe, and the other books it beat out. And there were the three by that one man. And I'm not going to say the names perfectly because I didn't write it down, but one of them was... um. Oh, gosh, like, basically, they're all just jokes about God. The last one's like, who is this guy? Who is God even? Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's a, uh, where did God go wrong? Um, yes. Shit. Where did God go wrong? Where is this? Where is God? And then who or who is this God guy anyways? I forget. Yeah, I forget what yeah. the three are, but um, it's something like that. But yeah, I know Douglas, Douglas Adams hates religion. Um and uh, <laughs> he, there, he, there's more of that type of stuff throughout the series. There's a really funny bit. I think it's in, I think it's in the third book, so I, that's mostly harmless about God. Uh, so he, he hates bureaucracy, he hates God, and um, really, really loves towels. <laughs> And uh, if if you too also love your towel out there, just remember every May twenty fifth is International Towel Day. So. Oh, that's fantastic! I mean, they're very useful. Um, but I also wanted to say, um, yeah, because the movie plays up on it a bit too when they're going to where John Malkovich's planet is, and mm-hmm. everyone looks silly because their prayer involves sneezing, and they're talking about the napkin and then they go back to where he's eating and he's calling his planet humble but he's got like gold bedecked everything it feels very i'm sorry to say it you got oh, some yeah. mega churches run by some very rich people profiting heavily from their preaching um so oh definitely a remark on like roman catholicism and stuff like that as well opulence. especially because like that it. would that would be the that would have been the main religion of the UK at the time until the UK is what I think their main religion now is atheism. But I thought they've been under Church of England since Henry the Eighth. Well, I mean, I oh, know the I'm daughters Sorry. reversed Sorry it that. back and forth. Because then you had yeah. Mary make it Catholic again, and then Elizabeth came back and yeah. Oh gosh, royalty, right? Why did we ever deal with it? <laughs> uh, you mean why are we still dealing with it? <laughs> I know. Sorry, England. <laughs> uh, I mean, them and other countries as well. I don't know why they put up with it. But, you know, tradition, because tradition matters. I mean, 
it's different. You know, nowadays they can't just change their religion and start beheading people for following the wrong one. So at least we're out of those times, folks. No, but if I remember correctly, the prime minister still somewhat has to go through the queen for certain shit. If I remember, like, there was something recently I, I remember happening that... um uh what's his name boris johnson had to go through the queen in order to i think basically suspend their uh their uh parliament or something it was damn so it's it's weird that she still has power i do like her though i'm gonna say and there it was funny during the i mean we're not getting we're not getting political here i promise but it was kind of funny during a certain time when we had a certain president, people were like, you know what, England, take us back. We changed our minds. <laughs> <laughs> this democracy shit isn't working out. <laughs> I do love the, uh, I mean, basically the whole creation of the president of the galaxy, basically him making fun of figureheads and countries and yeah, the fact that really presidents or prime ministers or anyone who's, who's, over a country is basically there to um, divert attention away from the real power. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, it's it's he just has like these nice little things that can open your eyes in a in in literally just a sentence or two, and that's why Douglas Adams is one of the great. And I want to say this was a change as well because I don't again unless I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure it wasn't that Zaphod had signed the order to destroy the Earth. That's in a later book. Okay, yeah. Um, I want to say it's in. Uh, I want to say it's at the end of Restaurant, at the end of the at the end of the universe is when we when you find out about that. So that's one of those things where it's taken from. Another one of the books um, that the the religion the the guy who was the head of the religion who was the old uh, president isn't how it's yeah. done but the sneezing religion is actually in one of the books and it's either mostly harmless or restaurant at the end of the universe. Oh, I did love that. Oh yeah. So if um people that haven't read the novel, when Arthur looks at the Hitchhiker's Guide and looks for the entry on Earth, all it says is harmless, and then. Uh, Ford's at he's like no 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 I made an addition to it and he's like well I hope it's lengthier he's like well a little bit and then the addition is just mostly harmless <laughs> which is fantastic which is great because wasn't he trapped for like 12 years on earth and that's 15. all he had to add yeah <laughs> and it's great because the guy just goes into so much detail about literally anything else you want to know to be fair a lot of these places sounded really interesting to me oh yeah so i I, this is and i've sort of mentioned this already where i felt like things were feeling really rushed and one of the one of my issues too is because of how it's rushed you sometimes can't hear the jokes or they don't fully land because it's basically someone will say something and it's moving on to the next thing and which is really unfortunate because of how strong the humor is in douglas's writing and also like when uh they're on magathura the legendary ancient planet where they're trying to get the answer but when it's cutting between arthur dent and the, 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 the trio dealing with the uh, mice and getting the gun from uh, Deep Think. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they're trying, like, basically they're trying to explain too much. And this is something that even as a kid, I couldn't fully follow along with them explaining the compu- uh, Earth being a computer and stuff because they'll explain one thing then cut to the trio for a segment and then come back to Arthur Dent and mm-hmm. Star Blast Fast still explaining basically the same thing. And it's real unfortunate because it's a very important thing that they're talking about. It's, it's almost like, and I think it's where I have issues. My biggest issue with the film is actually is the editing 
more than anything else. And, and it feels like the film is edited by a someone who does action flicks. And basically you're trying to keep people entertained and keep, uh, keep the energy high by cutting back and forth between different things, which I don't think is necessary at all because usually what's interest, uh, what, what is interesting about Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is the wacky situations that they're in and then, of course, the jokes and the humor and yeah. um, the witticisms. And I think some of that is lost within the editing style of the film. And yeah, I, 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 I wish say, I could have edited it. Oh, you would have been fantastic. I do want to say I did think that the fact that Deep thought like the design of it was just this massive weary head resting on hands was really great. <laughs> it was, and one yeah. aspect that was really good beautiful. O- good old was, Helen Mirren. Um, oh my God! Right? See, yeah, just the cast is phenomenal. I'm like watching the opening credits, and I'm like, what? What's about to happen? Um, <laughs> I love whoever did the illustration for when they actually are in the Hitchhiker's Guide. Yes. Those animations are brilliant. Oh, they're so beautiful. Especially when they're showing how the infinity probability drive was like getting stuck in the word maze. Mm-hmm. I don't know a lot of it. Oh, and that's another amazing... Okay, so I love the infinite probability drive, but I also think it's the source of one issue I have with the writing. So, But first, I will say I love when they're talking about when it was first created. And it was mostly used to make Hostess's undergarments jump a foot to the left and that the physicists really hated it and they acted like they hated it because it was used for such garbage but really it's because they never got invited to these parties and then I love when they (laughs) illustrated it in the movie they're literally on the floor below bashing at the ceiling with their brooms (laughs) that was adorable (laughs) but I will say I love that oh god no no go ahead go ahead I was gonna say I love that one and I love the one about um the the fish that feeds on translations and mm, and excretes mm-hmm. like uh, things out and it's like oh yeah you'll you'll now know um, the language of any any being and it's like a guy milking a cow and like it's it moves and then there's like a heart above the cow because it's <laughs> getting turned on by being <laughs> Well, I don't know if it's getting turned on, but, like, I know breastfeeding in humans also releases serotonin. So, you know, so you don't kill your newborn when they cry too much later. Your body has made you bond with your newborn. I'm not saying kids suck. I'm just saying, like, your body's manipulating you into loving them a little more. Anyway, biology. But, okay, my one issue with the writing, there are a lot of sort of deus ex machina moments, which is okay. Yeah. But, you know, because at first you've got them ejected out of the Vogon ship. And it is actually true. I learned this really fun fact years ago. If it is recommended, if you're an astronaut and water starts filling up your helmet, what you're actually supposed to do is close your eyes and hold your breath and you can actually take your helmet off for up to 30 seconds. You're fine too. But you have to keep your eyes closed or the vacuum of space will make them pop out of your head. However, it is true. For 30 seconds, you can be fine in space. But yeah, but so you have the infinite probability drive just happen to show up and pick them up. And then later when the missiles are being sent their way, pressing the button magically changed nothing except the missiles were now, yeah, the pot of petunias and the sperm whale. So like, it was fine. And it was still great writing despite it. But it, they did have a lot of these moments of being rescued in the nick of time. I mean, yeah, that's kind of the point of the improbability drive is kind of a catch-all for Douglas Adams to be able to write them out of any crazy situation. Mm-hmm. Not saying it's not saying it's the uh, uh, great or anything, but it works for him. And I think because of how ridiculous and silly everything is, is why it works. And I don't think any other writer could really pull it off. Yeah, very true. It's 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 almost like... Have you ever seen the movie Rubber? No, I think you tried to show it to me once and I passed out. Or someone tried to play it and I passed out. That sounds about right. But for, for those that don't know, Rubber is a, uh, it's about a tire, a, a, a car tire, that rolls around and kills people with telepathic powers. Um, but basically the whole point of it is the fact that any sort of story or film or anything in media has to have elements of 
it's like, why did this happen? And the reason why is just because. And that's sort of how I feel about the improbability drive is it's Douglas Adams of just because. Um, yeah. You can just move on to the next thing and use the improbability drive. Well, also, the universe is just nihilistic and nothing matters. So, like, just have fun and go with it, you know? Right, exactly. We should all be a little bit more like Ford Prefect and just sort of just... You're along for the ride. And most stuff was perfect for that role. Oh, yeah. It did yeah, such a good fucking job. And actually, I liked that change in the movie where, okay, he's trying to slow down the bulldozing of Arthur's house. And it was great in the book. He just convinces the project manager to lie in the mud. And the project manager's like, why am I here? What has my life led to? But it was really smart in the movie. He's like, I'm just going to show up with beer. And that makes people not do their work. And I like that, too. Um, Here's the issue with that. If he shows up with all this beer, why did they need to go to a pub to go get beer? Well, I think he wanted to distract him from his house and move on to the more serious thing that the world was about to end, maybe. Well, the thing is, Ford Prefect didn't know that they were bulldozing his house and basically almost really didn't care. That's true. Um, but he knew he had to distract him to get him away, I guess. Right. And for me, it doesn't fully work. Also, it's it's uh, it's explained in in a later book. Basically, he, his eyes or whatever he's able to manipulate people um, through them because of his species. Pretty cool power. Could be used for bad, but yeah, but it's Ford Prefect. We we all love Ford Prefect. That's true. <laughs> we do. We do. What a good guy. <laughs> I will say. Oh, that's another kind of slight issue I tend to have with sci-fi films, where a lot of alien species end up looking very human. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe some of them are other people because there is a hint to there are some other aliens on Earth besides Ford, but maybe there's some more galactic travel than we're aware of. But yeah, it, I mean, I get it. it. It saves time and money, but yeah, and that's really the main reason. I mean, also Ford Prefect is supposed to look human and it's it's like he's he's everything about him looks human, but his eyes well, it's not just him. It's also, like, um, the VP for Zaphod. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember. There's some other characters, but yeah. And actually, oh, so that's another weird thing where you mentioned there is sort of a rush of the movie because at the end, you have Zaphod get together with his VP, and now Trillian and Arthur are together. But there's another, like, a conversation where... Trillian and Zaphod actually end things. They're just both magically with new people and everything's super chill. Well, I feel like their relationship was kind of like an open relationship anyways. Yeah. At least... Yeah, that makes sense. At least Zaphod was probably fucking around. <laughs> Trillian's kind of screwed oh, and yeah. has to basically follow along with whatever Zaphod's doing because she doesn't really know how to do anything in the universe. Yeah. And I will say, okay, so them introducing the fact that Zaphod actually did sign the order to have the Earth destroyed... I think there was, like, a hidden layer there because she thinks he just was dumb and wanted his autograph on something, but he's trying to get Arthur not to tell her in the beginning because I think he does know that he did it. But it was, like, this really great irony when they go and ask the computer, okay, so what was the question? And the computer says, well, we were trying to figure it out with Earth, but then Earth was destroyed. And there's, like, this big irony of he wanted to know this question so badly, and he's the one who essentially fucked up their means of achieving it. Definitely read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, guys. It's great. And not gonna lie, it was, I think, highly influential in me to slowly realize things about religion um, as someone who was heavily raised in it. Uh, Douglas Adams' writing. Because I remember reading it as a kid, and I was like, I feel bad with some of these things that he's saying about about God and religion and stuff, but I also find it funny, and uh, <laughs> you know it uh it well, that's the thing, like even if it's something you do care about, have a sense of humor about it. I mean, right. you know Eggs. Yeah. sorry, didn't mean to cut you off to say that, but oh no, nothing's that serious. Nothing's that serious. But if you make fun of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, I'll fucking cut your throat. All right? I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll cut your throat and then start shoving shoving fish down it. And and then I'll say, yeah, thanks, we'll get thanks and so long head. for all the fish. Yeah, we'll get Zaphod's other head to come and kick your spleen out of your body. Mm. That's right. <laughs> Fuck with us. <laughs> uh. Oh, gosh. 
Um, yeah, seriously, great recommendation. I'm liking, we're getting more into books that I haven't necessarily experienced. I mean, not, well, not, I don't know. I don't know. For what's next, maybe not. But, no, I do like discovering new media. Mm-hmm. So, good time. Definitely, um, since you enjoyed it, definitely read the next ones. Okay, Michael, Michael, you do know we do a pot. Like, I hate it whenever I find things I want to read or people recommend me things I like because I'm literally like we have to read a book a week for this and I'm like I would not have time to read other things <laughs> no I get you I guess uh we'll have to take a month off and read the rest of the series and then just talk about it <laughs> so true I mean technically well, technically hey 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 I technically there is a radio adaption I think of every single book and we could talk about the book and the radio adaptions what I want to say does the BBC show cover beyond the first book do you know um it covers so the uh Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy primary and secondary phases I believe cover the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and and they've done one for every single book, I know for a fact. Which I know earlier I said that the third book was mostly harmless. I'm a fucking idiot. That's the fifth book. Um, it's Life, the Universe, and Everything. That's the third book. So I'm a fucking wow, idiot. Wow, what's wrong with I you? Know, I'm just going to go. Uh, I'm just going to. We've lost five listeners I'm, thanks I'm to gonna, that. I'm going <laughs> to kill myself like, like Marvin. Um, no, no character I've oh connected gosh. with more than <laughs> Marvin. <laughs> um but yeah i mean there's i know he's so good um and oh that's our oh we've got two okay wait we've got two harry potter connections so we've got the voice of marvin is obviously alan rickman Mm -hmm. and then actually uncle vernon did the voice of it said jules who i don't know who that is that's one of the uh i don't remember i'm pretty sure that's one of the the vogons that's amazing. That's the, that's the main one, right? The one that, uh, like the judge one? Maybe. Also have to issue a correction. Because mm-hmm. the voice of the whale is Bill Bailey. Yeah. I think I mentioned that. I think I said Bill Burr. Did I say Bill Burr? Oh. I don't know. Okay, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> no, I th- if I said Bill Burr, I'm a fucking idiot. But I swear idiot. that's what you said. I'm a fucking idiot if I said Bill, Bo- <laughs> Bill Burr. It sounds nothing like Bill Burr. <laughs> well, maybe I just heard Bill Burr. We'll have to settle it when you edit. I probably did. I, I, I actually... I don't know. Because for, it's, it's two comedians with, an, with, an, with, with B and B. Two BBs. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, Alliteration takes another. So Jeltz is the, uh, is the um, main Vogon. So, yeah, that was that was Uncle Vernon. Played played perfectly. R.I.P. Though. Just just so everyone can know, uh, it's it looks like on Hulu in 2022 there is going to be a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy TV series. Holy shit! Something we can all look forward to, and I hope they go into all of the books because there's a lot of material that is really good and and uh it'd be great to actually see it on screen i agree man shows are killing the game these days mm-hmm. oh yeah i mean that it's, it's, that's where one of the things like this hitchhiker's guide the movie felt rushed to me but i'm like yeah put it in a tv show literally make the first book i don't know six six episodes it's it's perfectly laid out and you can you can you can make the humor really stand out because you're not rushing to the next thing but they still better fucking have Stephen Fry being the guide I agree oh my god but also can I make a if Stephen Fry doesn't want to do it again David Attenborough if he would do it would be a really cool because like think about it if we were to make interplanetary shows and stuff like that Having him narrate other planets like he does Earth, holy shit. But there's a reason why Stephen Fry works better. And that's because Stephen Fry was actually really good friends with Douglas Adams. And Stephen Fry is the only man to know, is the only person to know what the true answer to 42 is. And Stephen Stephen Fry says he's going to his grave and not telling anyone. Well, that's just selfish. <laughs> I mean, honestly, if he'd be down to do it again, it sounds like since they were good friends, he'd probably be like, yeah, I'll do any adaption of this that you choose to undertake. So hopefully he also will do that. 
Oh, so next month. Mm-hmm. It's romance month, Ooh. but not purely romance. So, and no particular order. Although I do think we're doing Princess Bride next. A, A, fun. A, A, A. Um, it's books that are marketed as romance but aren't strictly romance. So we've got Princess Bride, Pride and Prejudice, Lolita, and Perfume. And I don't know if a lot of people know Perfume. If you're not gonna read it, it's okay. The movie gets a lot of the passages through as they're written, and the writing's excellent. But there's a very specific reason I'm enclosing it in this, because you might be watching it as like, this is not marketed as a romance, but there is a change that made it kind of a romance story, and I did not like that, so that's why it's falling in that category. But yeah, um, Princess Bride, coming at you next week. Can't wait. I fucking love the, that book, and the movie's great as well. But honestly, most people don't even know that it, it was a book. So that's one of the main reasons why I, I want to talk about it. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Um. <laughs> what well, the disappointment oof, in your oof. voice. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I. Uh, it's going to be great because the book has a lot of extra stuff that the movie couldn't do. Wait, I'm sorry. So was the Hulu was the Hulu show the thing you were gonna tell me at the beginning, but decided you wanted to tell me when we were recording? Yep, yep, yep. Okay. Yeah, I had to save it. Yeah, Michael's all like, "I got news, but you gotta wait for it." Yeah, I had to, I had to keep you suspense suspense as the audience. They're, I was gonna say the audience is also suspense, but it's probably cut out, so they weren't suspended at all. Just you, Andrea. Um, so. Wow. Yeah. Well, you know what? Joke's on you, because I forgot about it until you mentioned it at the end, oh, so suck on that. Well, screw me, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, cool. Uh, looking forward to Princess Bride next week. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening once again. And uh, please read Princess Bride. It's a wonderful book, and I'm sure, hopefully, all of you have watched the film. But uh, if not, make sure to watch that as well. Yep. See you guys next week. Bye-bye now. Bye. It is important to note that suddenly, and against all probability, a sperm whale had been called into existence several miles above the surface of an alien planet. And since this is not a naturally tenable position for a whale, this innocent creature had very little time to come to terms with its identity. This is what it thought as it fell. Ah, whoa! What's happening? Who am I? Why am I here? What's my purpose in life? What do I mean by who am I? Okay, okay, calm down, calm down, get a grip now. Ooh, this is an interesting sensation. What is it? It's a sort of a tingling in my... Well, I suppose I better start finding names for things. Let's call it, uh, tail. Yeah, tail. And hey, what's this roaring sound? Whooshing past what I'm suddenly going to call my head. Wind. Is that a good name? It'll do. Yay, this is really exciting. I'm dizzy with anticipation. Or is it the wind? There's an awful lot of that now, isn't it? And what's this thing coming towards me very fast? So big and flat and round, it needs a big, wide-sounding name like Ow! Ound! Round! Ground! That's it! Ground! I wonder if it'll be friends with me. Hello, Ground! Curiously, the only thing that went through the mind of the bowl of petunias as it fell was... Oh, no, not again. <laughs>